Welcome to the GOGcast, the official podcast of North Wales-based GOG triathlon, Welsh Super Series champions and wearers of the best kit in Wales. Join us while we chat swimming, running and cycling and interview some famous and not-so-famous names in sport. Whether you're experienced or a beginner looking to try the sport, the GOGcast is the place to be. So get your padded cycling shorts on, tie those running shoes up tight, spit on your goggles to stop them steaming up, and join your hosts, John and Michelle Farrell, inside the GOGcast. Mrs. F, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Mr. F. How are That's you? That's always your answer. Every month, you when I ask you how you are, you always go, I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm pretty wonderful if you want me to be a little bit more specific. What about your legs? Uh, quads are They're little... not wonderful, are they? Quads are recovering from um, a rather hilly race from the other day, but uh, no, they're, 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 they're okay. I, I wasn't going to mention it because you said it wasn't a gog race, but... I have to mention it because I was very, very proud of you for doing it. And I, I know I put that on Facebook to say I was very proud because it would have scared the hell out of me to do it. Uh, if you if you don't follow us on uh, Facebook, Michelle, your, your host, she did a massive fell race on Wednesday up in the Lake District, uh, the, the Coaldale Horseshoe. And it was around about sort of 700 metre, three 700 metre, 800 metre peaks, wasn't it, uh, in South Lakes. And it was quite incredible because when we saw it, we thought nothing is that high other than K2 and the Matterhorn. And the it, the tops were in clouds and things like that. Fortunately, the clouds, they went, ah, they all disappeared, didn't they? The clouds on the day and the sun came out and let you walk, run it. And it was fantastic. She did so well. What was it like? Yeah. Epic. <laughs> it was epic. That was my first, uh, the word I used as I crossed the line. Yeah, no, it was good. Um, speaking of epic, I can... Um... Don't change the subject. <laughs> I'm still talking about you now. I'd Don't rather change the not. Subject. We'll um... talk about something more epic, or not more epic, but just as epic in a minute. But I was very proud of you. You got third open lady, third no. over 40s. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe she's over 40. You didn't tell me you were over 40. Obviously, you entered the wrong... <laughs> uh, the wrong things on the uh, uh, on the paperwork but she came third which was fantastic I'm so proud of her because I wouldn't have done it, it uh, I walked up the last peak or not even the last peak actually walked up to the bottom of the last peak and I was shattered so uh, I don't know what you were like but but yeah epic well done Shell. Uh, that that's fantastic we also did a couple of weeks ago we also did the Edge Hill Universe of triathlon didn't we we did we yes. said we'd mention it in the last podcast because it was our first one of the year First one since pre-COVID. And it was good, wasn't it? It was it was a good day out. Who won out of the two of us? We don't race each other, by the way, but who won? Clearly we do if you're <laughs> saying who won. I was a little bit faster than you, but... Um, Four minutes faster. Yeah, you spent a long time in transition as well. Problem was, I mean, I... You know, it was a long time since we'd done transition. I should have gone to the transition training that we're doing on the 24th first, really. What happened was on the way into the pool while we were stood waiting oh, to go yeah. in the pool, I looked down and I was stood in the pool of blood and wondered, what's happened here? Why have I stood in this pool of blood? 
and then I realised I'd sliced my, my uh, one of my toes open. <laughs> Hopefully, none of our listeners are too squeamish. No, sorry, no. If, you if should you're have squeamish, put a warning out no, there oh, yes, first. Yes, I said that. Uh, but if you're squeamish, don't listen for it for the next sort of thirty seconds. But you're I'd not s- talking about yourself for that long. All right. I d- but I talk about my toe, so it's not really me, is it? <laughs> it's it's part, part of me. It is so, part of you. Uh, but I sliced my toe open. I have to get it all wrapped up by first aid before we went in the pool. Strangely enough, it, the, all the plasters and everything stayed on. But when I got into transition, Michelle was already there. And I thought, how's she got here? That, that is very quick on the swim. And she was off she was on the bike. Meanwhile, I was still putting my cycling shoes on. So I got this sore toe that's just been strapped up with plasters and all sorts of things to stop it bleeding. Put my foot into my shoe, only to find something at the bottom of the shoe that I (laughs) stubbed my toe, my bad toe, with lots of blood everywhere on it. It was the lid of your demisting spray, (laughs) wasn't it? How did that get there? How does a lid from your demister for your goggles get into your shoe? So, transition trainer, I don't know if anybody who went last week was taught this, always check your shoes for lids (laughs) from demisters before you do it. So, uh, but I thought, no, it's not a problem. I'll catch her on the bike. Never saw her again. Uh, the last, next time I saw her, stood at the finish line while I was running around the track, finishing my run. And I'd had a good run. And I thought, I must have caught up with her here. But no, she was stood by the finish. And as I got there, the MC shouted, here's John Farrell finishing from Gog Triathlon in North Wales. Ray! And only to be followed with, what he doesn't know is, his wife finished four minutes ago. <laughs> How to make you feel good at the finish. But anyway, anyway, so that's uh, so Michelle's one up. Uh, we've got the uh, standard in triathlon in uh, Southport next week and the 70.3. So hopefully I'm going to level it up next week. Oh, uh, we but have... we're not racing. No, no, clearly not. So enough about you and me. Epic things, what's happened? Well, first epic thing that springs to mind is Neil Vickers-Harris. With... Oh, he's epic. He raced the Pennine Barrier Ultra. Now, I my race was 3,500 feet of climbing. Yeah. His race was 9,000 feet of climbing. Shut off. Over 50 miles. It's just, wow. I, I, I can't... Don't big him up to him. Oh, all right, then. Credit where it's right, due. Then. That's just... Can I just say he didn't do 50 miles? Oh, it was 49.8 something, Just saying. Something, just saying. It? He didn't do 50 he miles. Did. He did. So, yeah, and he, it took 10 hours, 40 minutes and 14 seconds. And he got first in his age as well. So, just... It's not a bad for an 80-year-old, is he's it? He's 50. How old is he? Don't, don't say that. <laughs> I don't know how old he is. He'll, he'll write in and tell us. He'll send a strongly worded email. Oh, I hope I haven't got... Sorry, Neil, if, I, if I've got that wrong. That's brilliant, though. That, that, that is fantastic. Pennine Barrier. So hilly. It's uh, quite an impressive. GB Ultras, uh, I think it was. But uh, well done, that that's that is brilliant we may take the mickey out of you no no we just may take the mickey out of you but uh well done that, that's a really good effort what else has been happening michelle in terms of smashing the result the, the <laughs> talking about toe again <laughs> um paul garstang he smashed his 10k personal best that was at a road race in east yorkshire beverly 10k and uh, he did that in 42 minutes and 33 seconds, which that's, that's fast, Good. isn't it? I'd Good like to that. run that fast. Yeah. One day, Sean. One yeah. day. Ready downhill, you, you run that fast. <laughs> uh, the results, Andy Jones and Ellie New both did the Llangollen 10K trail race. And I, I've already put that on my calendar for next year because uh. it, it looks lovely. So, yeah, that's they were there. And we also had Dan Wellings doing the Moylealia Fell Race. Dan Wellings. I've done. I've ran Moylealia. It's uh, yeah. It's really steep. You said it was 
one of the most horrible races he'd ever done. Remember, you said before he did the fell race the other day. You said it was the hardest, the hardest race because it was had Kung Horion in it as well. It was um, it, it had was what on it? Sorry, Moyle Kung Horion, another mountain, okay, another. I thought that was a meal like. <laughs> Hungarian goulash or something like that. <laughs> no. um, I did a race there a few years ago, and yeah, it's still, I'd say now, it's still the hardest race I've ever face. done. I remember seeing your face. Oh, it was awful. Mm. Well done. Well done, boys. Well done. Um, can I also mention, after interviewing Tim Lloyd last month, yep. Always Aim High had a race, uh, the Western Park Sprint Triathlon. It was the, the first one they'd ran there, and... Emily Roberts, one of our young GOG members, and Kevin Evans, they both took part in that. Brilliant. And they had gorgeous weather for it, so they, they were very lucky with that. And they both finished it? They did, they did. Good, good, good. Well done, guys. Well done. It's always nice to do a brand new one, isn't it? And, and to support always aim high as well, because it was uh, the, the first time it had been run, so uh, that, that's really good. And then the only other race I'm aware of was Gold Rush Trail Race at Coy de Brennan. Oh. Now, we ran there recently, didn't we, on our way to Machunleth? We got lost there, remember? We, we did. Told, we spoke about it last time, didn't we? Seven gogs went down to do that. And I, th- I think the inspiration for the actual, the, taking part in that race was Clinos, one of our gog members, Clinos Davis. Um, it was her 60th. I don't think she'll mind me saying. You mentioned a lot of ages. Yeah, I hope they're right. <laughs> but I'm sure Clinos isn't 60. No, it, I know, you wouldn't think no. it, but she, it was her 60th a couple of years ago, so this has been deferred. She had two races to do for her 60th, and this was the second, so uh, some GOG members went along with her. Wayne was there, Wayne Roberts, he's one of our coaches, Steph Conway, another one of our coaches, Sarah Massey went, Megan Yu went, Tracy Williams went down, and um, yeah, they, they it's ran. It's a tough old route, isn't it? Yeah, a few of them ran together with Klinos, yeah, which nice. um, I think was really nice that mm-hmm. they, they completed that together. It's lovely down there, it's a lovely, lovely... Some lovely runs down there, isn't it? But we spoke about it last time, didn't we? That how, how nice they were down there. We'll have to go and do it. We'll have to go and do it, won't we? Mm-hmm. So that that's it in terms of results. All right. Um, okay. So next month we will talk about Pulleli Triathlon, and we will also talk <laughs> briefly. Oh, it's me, not me, about me. us, John. Um, What's the point of having a podcast if we can't talk about yourself? That's a bit indulgent. Yeah, Pulleli Triathlon, which is taking place imminently, and also the uh, Snowdonia Half Marathon, which we're marshalling yeah. as well. Yeah. So those results will be in the podcast next month. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about them as well. So, uh, yeah, so well done, guys. Well done. Uh, what's going on? I know there's lots lots of things happening now over the next uh, couple of months, so we'll try and keep up to date. So if you have done something and we haven't spoken about you, do apologise, but, uh, we, you know, we, we just... There's so many things going on, isn't there? Uh, let us know though, and uh, we'll we'll mention it. And if you're doing something special, let us you know. Let us know as well. So um, yeah, good, good. Um, we're not going to talk for long today. You'd be very happy about that, I'm sure, because what a podcast we've got today! What an interview afterwards have we got? But before that, we're just going to have a little segment that we did promise everybody, didn't we? That we'd answer a few questions on nutrition this week. Now. The issue is, and this was always going to happen really when I think about it, is that the the person we interviewed this week can talk because he's got so many stories and so many things happened to him and he's such a fantastic person to talk to. It went on quite a long time. Uh, and I know these podcasts tend to be getting longer and longer and longer. And that's because uh, they, they people surprise me all the time about how 
interesting they are. I just, I just find out things and uh, I love to hear them talking. So, so we're going to keep things a little bit sort of shorter on this side and get to the podcast. So we're only going to go through couple of the questions for nutrition on this time and what we'll do next time we'll have a proper segment and we'll get people to uh, to write in with more questions if that's all right by everybody because we did promise we'd answer a couple didn't we we've got a couple of questions here that we can go through but next time um we will have a section on nutrition which will be because you're obviously you're a nutrition coach you're a level five nutrition coach you've got an awful lot of knowledge that you can share with people so but we'll just answer the two questions on this occasion and then next time we'll go into that in a little bit more yeah, that's detail good. if that's, that's good. okay so we'll with you. That and then we'll get we'll go with the interview. So nutrition. <laughs> so we've had um a question and we've had the same one from Melissa Everly and Miklos about weight loss whilst training for an event. So Melissa has put it like this. So I need to get training and recovery nutrition right whilst I build up to Ironman 70.3 in October. But I also need to lose a few kilos along the way. Any pointers? So she's gone on to say she's rubbish at counting calories, likes good coffee and cake now and then. Um, And then Miklos has followed on from that where, you know, he's also in the same situation. He's hungrier because he's training and he's, you know, training hard. Um, so if he loses weight, his performance struggles, or he's doing well in the training, but he's not losing any weight. So how should Melissa and Miklos approach this? It's a popular question, and it's an issue that uh, a lot of people have when they're training, because they think that it's, it's, it's right, that you, because you're doing more and more as the summer goes on, getting ready for your event, that you'll lose weight naturally. And that's not the case. Uh, when you're preparing for a race, that's not really the time you should be looking to lose weight. You have to look at the the year leading up to your your event as um, as one plan, and the time to lose weight is in the off season, really, ready for the training. Now you can lose weight while you're training, but it has to be very very slowly, because if you think if you if you bring weight loss down to its very very basics. It just means using more calories than you, you take it in. Now, if you're going out running and you're doing 20 miles, and chances are you're going to be using, for instance, I use about 2,000 calories doing 20 miles running. So you'd think that, well, that's enough to lose weight. But the, the, the problem is your body needs to rebuild itself after doing making that effort. So, you know, your muscles are damaged. Uh, your body needs to replace its glycogen. You know, it, it stores its carbohydrate stores. So, so you need to take more food in to feed your body to be able to train again in the near future. If you don't do that, if you don't take enough food in, then what will happen is your body will break down over time. So, should Melissa and Miklos and others who are training be looking to refuel after training with? kind of protein or what yeah when you're training hard for anything really you you need a good balance of protein and carbohydrates uh, and you also need to make sure you get all the the micronutrients as well and all the all the things like vitamin d and uh, and the like because and calcium because you're gonna otherwise you're gonna you start getting things like um you get stress fractures and stuff like that so so you need a really really good balanced diet but after a long run, you know, we, we, we always talk about after a long run or a lot of exercises to replenish your glycogen, your carbohydrates and your protein stores. 
you, you need protein after that because you need to, to repair those muscles. The muscles have to have protein to repair themselves. So when you wake up the day after a really heavy session and you've got those DOMS that we talk about, the, the achy muscles, it's because their muscles have been damaged and they're rebuilding themselves. Now, without protein, they won't rebuild properly and you're going to leave yourself open to, to injury. And that that's the, the, the basics of it, really. So, so can if, you get pro enough protein from food or would you suggest... Um, you know a, a protein drink of some description you can get it from food but when you if when you when you're looking at doing excessive exercise then it's easier to get that protein through a uh, such a thing as a you know a balanced shake afterwards so a protein and carbohydrate shake <coughs> excuse me um so it's better to go that way because you can get so much more protein in quickly into your body okay and you need that protein in <coughs> oh dear me you, you need that protein in really within the first half hour hour after you finish Ideally. exercise okay. so you can get it through your normal balanced diet but obviously you're not going to be getting home and you're gnawing on a steak you know some people are vegetarian some people are vegan for, for me for instance i wouldn't think of eating meat just to replace my protein i'd have a protein drink so that's the quickest way to do it so, so I would say always make sure you have a protein carbohydrate drink after, after you exercise. Three parts carbs, one part protein. Buy any standard drink um, that's out there, and you can um, you'll get the right mix in there. But it's all about a balanced diet. Now, if you're going to lose weight, if you want to lose weight, then you need to do it very, very slowly. Okay. Now, th there's such a thing as you know we've spoken about before that, that that i follow intermittent fasting where you don't eat from a certain time to another time in the morning so you you go to 12 15 hours uh, without eating that's great to lose weight but you can't exercise at the same intensity by doing that because you haven't got the glycogen stores you haven't got the carb stores to allow you to do that so you have to exercise at a lower intensity which might not help your training program so if you're looking to exercise at a high intensity you really need to be feeding yourself so if you're going to want to lose weight you really need to be looking at what you're eating and just making little changes such as planning your day so your training plan should also involve your food plan as well so when you know you're gonna go for a long run of maybe 10 15 miles that you make sure that when you get back, you're going to be having one of your main meals of the day. So you can snack quite heavily to get the nutrients back into your body. Don't leave, don't, just because you normally eat at eight in the morning and five o'clock in the evening or seven o'clock in the evening, when you're training, you need to fit it around your training. Mm. And that can be awkward for some people. But so when you're, you're, when you're planning your day, plan your nutrition for that day at the same time. Now, what's really important is, is you get those nutrients in. Okay? So, so it's, it's, that's, that's, don't worry about losing weight. One of the best ways of losing weight is that when you plan those meals to fit in with your exercise, don't snack in between. Because what you'll find is, you do a 20 mile run, or a long bike ride, or a long swim, what you'll find is about three hours after you finish, you'll be starving. So make sure you eat properly when you finish, that way you won't be starving later on, you won't be snacking okay. and snacking into the evening. And that's the best weight tip that I could give you. Oh, thank you, John.
you could go on. I could but, go on and oh, on. I have to but, keep but an eye on but, how long John talks. It is one of his uh, <laughs> favourite subjects, nutrition. Okay, so from Linos Davis, who we talked mm-hmm. about with the results uh, a short while ago, is um, she's saying, I have a very sweet tooth. What can I have instead of five chocolate bars that is better <laughs> nutritionally? Now, uh, this is a serious question. It is serious. Because absolutely. clearly she has a sweet tooth, but she wants to be able to enjoy, you know, feed that sweet tooth, but without, mm. you know, being excessive. Well, the best thing to do, obviously, is to, to replace that sweetness because it's not, the chocolate isn't about, chocolate obviously gives you that high afterwards. It's that, that sugar high afterwards. And um, you don't get that with every food. But really, with, with, with the chocolate, what you're doing is you, you, you need to replace the sweetness. It's that treat, isn't it? And I, and I say, don't cut them out. Don't cut chocolate out because, you know, if you're exercising, you, you deserve that treat, you know. And, and the, the first thing I'll say to anybody is when they're looking at uh, either dieting or, or training is don't cut things out that you like because you'll start hating the training because of it. So would you say about like moderation rather than... Moderation, maybe have a chocolate bar. Use it as a, a treat after you've been on exercise or, or during exercise. Uh, you know, if you, you uh, something just to keep you going as a, a, a something sweet to replace the sugars when you're when you're exercising, or when you finish, go in have a chocky bar uh, uh, just to say well done me and, and keep it as a treat. In the meantime, if you're hungry and you, you you're really going after those uh, that that sweetness and then things like fruit, but then of course not everybody can can tolerate fruit, and it's a it is a bit of a myth that you know that fruit is really good for you it's it's fruit in moderation is good for you but uh, it doesn't suit everybody and especially athletes and we all like to think of ourselves as athletes because we train enough as athletes um it doesn't always fit in with a diet it can give you an upset stomach and, and cause a lot of issues so um fruit if you can tolerate it fruit nuts Fruit and nuts, so raisins, um, dates. What about fruit and nut chocolate? Fruit and nut chocolate, use a fruit. (laughs) (laughs) That must be one of the healthiest things on the on the planet. We've got some with the cupboard, haven't we? We have. Um, We haven't touched it. Um, But a small amount of that. Small amount. Small amount. But but replace a treat with a handful of nuts with some raisins in. Things with honey in. Some of the bars with honey in. I know some of them are processed, but you know you you have to. you have to everything in moderation because mm, we tried know. making some flapjacks didn't we and uh, yeah, they yeah. just fell apart i don't yeah. think we had enough sweetness no in that's them. right that's right honey is a great thing to do so so if you can make some flapjacks with honey and oats and, and the like you know and, and bake them or, or non-baked ones they're great for snacking on as well i used to love i know we used to do them and they used to break up everywhere but I'd, I'd love just going and getting the bits and, and, and eating it because it's sweet and it, it you know, it, it gets rid of that craving. Um, strangely enough, banana ice cream. Oh. Uh, and you wouldn't think so. I like but, the sound of that. But banana ice cream is quite sweet. It's a lot sweeter than, than having a banana. I think we spoke the other day, um, we, we were somewhere and you said, oh, this banana is lovely. <laughs> it's really banana-y. Yeah, and, and you uh, laughed at me. And we me. laughed. It's, it's a banana, that's why. But some bananas are better than others. Some are greener, some are yellower, some are banana-ish, uh, and some are non-banana-ish. So, but banana ice cream is quite sweet. And it's, you know, again, moderation. But 
if it gets you away from the chocky bars all the time and it's maybe low fat um, ice cream, then it serves a purpose. Uh, dark chocolate, I spoke about this earlier. Dark chocolate can be can can be quite bitter, but it can satisfy that craving a small it. amount. Yeah, that's, that's good. Right. So a higher right. cocoa content, perhaps. higher cocoa content will really take that that edge off the uh, off the chocolate. And again. Dark chocolate isn't for everybody. Um, as when I was vegan, I used to have dark chocolate and I used to love it. It was uh, uh, obviously the only chocolate I could have. Um, peanut butter is another one. Uh, a spoonful of peanut butter. Mm. Brilliant peanut butter. Whether it be on toast, whether it be banana or on bread, whatever. Peanut butter is uh, one of the better things you can have. Gives you loads of energy. And it's so sweet as well. And it takes some chewing. Well, that when you get it in your mouth. Um, Greek yogurt, things like this. So, th um, things find a thing that replaces the chocolate, and uh, and and stick with it. But you've got to try different things, and you'll be surprised. Sometimes these things will, will um, uh, that you don't even think of will will satisfy the craving. Mm. But you know what? Everything in moderation. Y you want a chocolate bar? Have a chocolate bar. It's my downfall. Chocolate, as you know. Well, thank you for that, John. There's some uh, interesting... There was one question, I know, <laughs> from Wayne. Well, was that a serious question? Well, you know Wayne. Nothing serious with Wayne, isn't it? But I remember seeing it off Wayne, and uh, I think it's a question that, that... A really important question that needs answering. Okay, so question... There were two... It's a two-part question from Wayne. So, number one, what we just talked about, is chocolate one of your five a day? And then question two, pineapple on pizza, is it a hanging offence? The answer is yes. Well, hang on, so to, what to both? So is, <laughs> so is chocolate one of your five a day? No. No. And pineapple, it's a treat. Okay, so I think we've covered that with <laughs> Clinos's question. And pineapple on pizza, I think we're going to fall out here. Pineapple on pizza, is it a hanging offence? Do you have garlic bread with fruit salad? I personally don't because I have a garlic allergy. Well, w would you have a piece of bread with a with a fruit salad? Would you dip a piece of bread <laughs> in a fruit salad? <laughs> well, obviously no. No, but... then why would you have fruit on a piece of bread? Because cheese and pineapple goes really nicely together. Did so you ever, ever go time? to a party in the 80s? In the 80s? Yeah, in the end. What sort of party? Where you had... Cheese oh, and pineapple on sticks. Sorry. Sorry, we went to different parties in the 80s. We went to different ages. Um, no, pineapple doesn't go on bread, just like bread doesn't go in fruit salad. So, Wayne, stop it. Don't do it. Okay? We don't know what Wayne's uh, thoughts are on it, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> I know we certainly disagree. I like cheese and pineapple doesn't. Uh, on a pizza, but uh, John doesn't. I like pineapple with anything, I'll be honest with you. Right. Enough now. Enough now. So if you've got any questions on nutrition, again, we just touched the surface there. Um, you know, send us to them, uh, send them to us and uh, we'll deal with them and we'll have a proper session. About yeah, them, all uh, being well in uh, the next podcast. Well. So, uh, and if you want that, so just, just make sure you ask us for it. Right then, the time's come. Let's Can't get wait. on with the Can't interview. Wait. So I'm so looking forward to, to putting this out because uh, this, this guy is an absolute legend. Uh, a lovely, lovely guy who really looked after me when I went there, as you'll hear during the uh, uh, the podcast. Somebody who people don't know a lot about, but still think the world of him within Gogs because he's, a, he's such a, a nice guy. Enjoy this podcast. Uh, I'd like to introduce you to uh, 
uh, the G unit himself, the Welsh wizard, Mr. Geran Shoes. <laughs> And welcome to the Godcast. Uh, the chap I've got sat in front of me is uh, a bit of a legend in Gog Triathlon. It is uh, the G Unit himself, Mr. Geran Hughes. Welcome, Geran. How are you doing, John? Okay. I'm uh, very well, thank you. Lovely, lovely to have you on the uh, the Godcast. Great to be here. Fantastic. I've been looking forward to this uh, because obviously you're a bit of a legend in uh, in Gogs, and um, and also uh, uh, you know you you just. You've got some experience uh, running. That's not a sort of a, a way of saying that you're older or anything I like that. Okay, I think it is. I think John, but, I think but, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I've got no reason to talk about that, trust me. Um, but uh, what I wanted to do is, because I know there's lots of people in GOGS and beyond that will be so interested in hearing what, uh, uh, or what you've got to say today, because... We see Garan every week, and we see you racing, and we see you coaching, but we don't really know the Garan behind the scenes, do we? You know, he's just like a like a cloaked figure in the background. Maybe it should stay like that. <laughs> <laughs> Let us be the judge of that. So, Garan, um, got a lot to talk about. Um, so let's start at the very beginning, as they say. Um, People see you as a uh, sort of a, a local Welsh legend, but where were you born? How did you get into sport? The well, vicious rumours that I was born in London. I can categorically say these are not true. My birth certificate doesn't say Brent Kensu, and <laughs> I'm a Cockney. <laughs> I was actually born in Wembley. Uh, what in the stadium? Ah, near, the old about, near about my uh, mum used to take me up to the top of Wembley uh, Park, Wembley Hill in a pram because uh, I was born the year England won the World Cup in football. Really? So I was born in April and I believe the World Cup was in July. Wow. I don't remember that, but um, yes, I'm from London. It's the only skeleton in my cupboard. Not. So, um, <laughs> the only one you're going to talk about today. That's it indeed. The, uh, I actually moved then, or we as a family uh, moved uh, after three months to Cardiff. My dad had had a posting in London for a year with the BBC, so we happened to be just in London or my parents for a, for a year. So we're back in Cardiff three months later. So that's when my life started. Welsh through and through. Indeed, we don't need totally. to know about those no, three months. No, I haven't got a rose sort of uh, pinned <laughs> to, my, to my chest. So, um, yeah, so I went through the Welsh education system in Cardiff, primary and secondary, which had pluses and minuses, definitely more pluses, but um, it was a very nurturing environment with the teachers. Was it very Welsh down there? We, we look at North Wales now, we, we think, you know, the Welsh schools and things like that, and they're pretty, pretty Welsh. Was it as Welsh as down there in University no. Welsh? No, I think people's comments are, oh, you're from Cardiff, not many Welsh there but what's interesting when I was a child there was one Welsh primary school uh, which I went to Brintav and my siblings did now we've got 19 oh, wow. primary schools I had to be bussed out of Cardiff uh, to a Welsh secondary school but now in Cardiff there are three secondary school Welsh secondary schools Gosh. so what I think has happened um, I grew up in a cul-de-sac and the lad there was a 
bunch of about 10, 15 of us uh, big families and um, they were all English speaking and they saw the benefits that my brother and I and my two sisters had from Welsh education and they told me since that they sent all their kids to Welsh schools so I can see that's a kind of a, a microcosm of what happened with Welsh education so uh, yes and no it's Welsh you know massive city and you can get lost in that city with the Welsh but yet there are there are I don't know how many when I left Cardiff about 17 years ago I think there were about 20,000 Welsh speakers oh, well, in Cardiff well, well it's more than we thought isn't it so so school then what was what was what was school like were you were, were you clever in school did you was like I, school um I, I was I was very quiet um re, I was uh, quiet as a uh, timid quiet as a mouse I meet people now who are in school with me and they don't remember me <laughs> um and of course when we talk about what things we do now they say whoa but you weren't sporty and I wasn't um saying that there were pluses and minuses about Welsh education unfortunately the big minus was that PE was rugby and it was rugby ah, right. and it was rugby yeah. and it was rugby and I don't use the word hate I don't like to word the, the, like to use the word hate but I hated PE in school because I was a scrawny and I was tiny then I wasn't I didn't start growing till I was about 16 so I was the smallest in the class yeah. and I just I couldn't do with rugby um it was not for, it wasn't fun for me so the people don't remember me in sport uh until sixth form um I'd always um run when I could if the football or if the rugby pitches were um underwater they'd send us on a cross-country run and I loved it I loved it that was the highlight of my one p lesson a year when the rugby pitches were under a foot of water <laughs> and we were sent on uh, an amazing muddy wet dirty messy cross-country run um but i you know it wasn't promoted in school um and it was only when um we did school sports and um i did the 1500 meters and i just just entered it and i won it uh, I couldn't say by a mile because it's only a mile, <laughs> but I won it by quite a bit. And the head teacher took me aside and said, Geran, I think you need to do something about this. And um, I joined Cardiff Amateur Athletic Club, which was a track and field club. Um, How old would you have been then? I was 17, 18. Um, and it was a baptism of fire. It really was. Um, I don't know how I got placed with a group of talented athletes um, and initially I was a fish out of water uh, there were guys in the group um, I think we were all in they were all under 20s so I had a guy who'd come back from the world cross-country championships um, there was a chap uh, we became good friends who um, represented Great Britain on the track at under 20s and uh, yeah, it was uh, quite an awesome group. A funny story. One of our f my first training sessions, we went to the sand dunes in Merthyr Mawr, which is um, on the south coast uh, near Bridgend, uh, Porthcawl. 
and it's basically miles and miles of sand dunes. So the group um, would go out for an hour's run on the sand dunes, uh, quite a hard run. And then afterwards we would do intervals up the Big Dipper. The Big Dipper is the second biggest sand dune in Europe. And you basically can't get to the top of it in a minute. It's massive. So we'd gone out for a run. Of course, I was the new boy. And what do they do to the new boy? Well, they put him in his place, don't they? <laughs> so they put the foot down and I got dropped. And suddenly I was in the middle of nowhere. And if you've been to Merthyrmaur, it's just um, hills of dunes. And it's like being in a death, being dropped in the desert. And I didn't know where I was. And they had to send a search party up for me. <laughs> My coach finally found me uh, and took me back to the group, of course, the usual banter and laughs and all that. And I thought, right, I'm not going to lose heart here. Um, I'm going to work harder. Um, and that's what I did. Um, and there's actually a photo of me a couple of years later actually leading this group up the Big Dipper. Uh. Um, having got that's that I think that's me summed up I get I'm really determined if I something I haven't done as well I'm gonna do it so I worked hard on improving there's a funny story though talking about innocence and all that we had we'd um we'd meet twice a week on the track on a Monday and a Thursday and uh, at that time uh, it wasn't a um, it was a cinder track in Cardiff um Mainly stadium so we didn't have the synthetic um, surface they do have these days and we're doing a track session I was suffering uh, we're doing eight a classic eight times 400 meter session with the group and I was really suffering and the boss uh, the coach said to me Garen you okay I said oh my stomach I don't know what's the matter with me my stomach he said to me oh Garen um, uh, um, have you eaten something yeah 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 I had something to eat and how long ago did you eat something I said oh only just before I came uh, to the track. Oh, so, so what did you eat? You know, piece of toast, piece of bread. No, no, I had a full meal of sausage, beans and chips. <laughs> From that day onwards, I learned that you shouldn't have a heavy meal half an hour before a track session. <laughs> Although I must have, I've met some people that can do that, but yeah. Uh, Definitely not me. <laughs> piece of toast and a cup of tea for me uh, an hour before Your doing anything. Routine, it's, it's interesting, yeah. actually. You can come back from work uh, the, and, uh, and you're tired and you think, oh, so the last thing you want to do is go out for a run or a bike or do, do anything. And just having a little bit of something that works for you, for me, it's toast and peanut butter and a cup of tea. Within an hour, I'm transformed and I can get out there and really go for it. So, um, so, so, so the athletic club then, so did that, Obviously, you were you were getting better within there. You 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 were it said you were leading up the Big Dipper and the like. Did you did you go into competitions and did you you were indeed uh, yeah. Um, initially, when I sort of uh, found my feet at Cardiff, I ran for the Welsh League team, which was uh, effectively the B team, and they travelled around Wales Welsh League sort of track and field. And I used to do the fifteen hundred, the five thousand meters. Uh, I remember being uh, thrown in to do the uh, 4x4 relay, but it was all experience. And um, I suppose a breakthrough, you could call it, was uh, 1989. 
travelled up to Colwyn Bay on the team bus, long journey from Cardiff, and um, Russ Godwin must have been there probably competing for Colwyn Bay because um, he regularly att- uh, used to take part in the Welsh League meetings. And I was asked to run the steeplechase, the 3,000 metre oh, yeah. steeplechase. Really tough race. And I was always a sort of, yeah, I'll give it a go and see what happens. And 3K steeplechase is seven and a half laps, uh, 28 barriers, solid barriers that don't move when you hit them, and seven water jumps. And um, I had no idea what I was going into. Um, finished the race. Um, and I'd run the fastest time by a Cardiff athlete following week in at the deep end. I was asked to um, run in the first team for the British League in the GRE Cup semi-final, which was effectively the best track and field teams in the UK. We were at Birmingham, uh, one per event, and it was, uh, I was awestruck because on the team bus going there, who was sat on the same bus was Colin Jackson, the <laughs> world record. He wasn't the world record holder then, uh, but, he was def- but he was definitely an uh, Olympic silver medalist. And the, the talent on that team was just amazing. And again, that inspired me to train harder. I mean, it was a tough race because there were guys there who were far better than me. Um, but I thought, okay, this is what I've got to do next. Um, I've got to work even harder. Uh, the same year was the Welsh Championships. Again, I was hooked with a steeplechase. It just seemed to suit my type of running where you can't get into a rhythm. It just, the, the barriers just break up your rhythm. The water jumps break up your rhythm. So I went to the Welsh Champs, which was the actual trial for the Commonwealth Games in Auckland in 19, is it 1990? Yeah, and finished fifth in that. Um, and that really got me up to another level. And again, it just inspired me to work even harder, work even harder, yeah. Yeah, see, people don't, you know, we see someone like yourself, you know, and, and, and um, uh, we go about our business in our, you know, doing our runs and things like this. But I think I think people have to realise that with some people it goes back a long way. You've got a lot of experience there. And I think when when new runners and the like come aboard and they think, oh, you know, I'd never never catch Geran, you know, looking, he's, you know, he's doing this, he's doing that. I think what people have to learn is that it's been in your blood for many, many years. So somebody coming into the sport now, it's going to take some time to get to that. There are people that have, have done it for years and there are people like, like myself, for instance, you know, have only been running for, well, running this time for about five years, uh, that... You know, we it's something to aspire to, but you don't get down about not being as good as some of these people. You look at someone like Paul Algeri again, you know, who's who's been doing this for, for, for many years, comes from a sporting background with rugby and the like. Uh, and you know, we shouldn't get down about thinking these people are a lot better than us, these people are a lot more experienced, and, and it, with experience comes comes performances as well because you learn more about yourself don't you you're so right there john yeah it, you're so right i mean it's one of my advice pieces of advice i give people it's all about consistency and um it's it's being consistent with your training i just happen to have been doing it now i've 
in saying that you've I've got a training I've got training diaries now every activity run swim cycle or anything has been logged in a training diary and I've got training diaries going back to 1984 and I refer wow. back to them uh, all the time just if I you know I'm need just a check up on something see where I'm going wrong where I where I may need to improve and but you're so right there about I uh, people shouldn't get despondent oh I'll never beat so and so I think it's about your own journey yeah um, I can remember when I started out, especially with the experience on the um, sand dunes, and I thought, I'll never get to those boys' level. And then a few years later, I was leading them up the sand dunes. Um, and, and also, it's, it's, it's muscle memory as well. Um, I seem to be um, an example in point. I did the Christleton 5K last night, uh, having just got over COVID, and uh, I'm certainly not fit enough to do a 5K, but <laughs> pulled one out to the bag because of muscle memory. Boy, did it hurt, but it was there in the muscle memory. But it's important, I think, that people don't... Uh, yeah, people look to other people for inspiration, mm -hmm. for, ooh, I'd like to get there. That's how I um, sort of conquered my fears uh, my lack of confidence maybe or bad experiences I think okay this is where I am now you're not gonna get you aim for the stars and if you miss you might hit the moon yeah yeah um, and that's the idea behind it to be honest and not to definitely not to get despondent seeing people uh, appear to be so much better I don't think it's all about that it's about what you do yourself and I and the personal journey for me there were stepping stones like I've uh, mentioned today got to this and then that experience um, and another experience and I think that's important rather because you can get you can fall out to the sport so many years so many people I know over the years have been excellent athletes and they've just fallen out to this fallen out of love with the sport yeah. because they're trying too hard or trying to run other people's races rather than their own and we're all different yeah. and we yeah. all have a different way of approaching races of some people improve massively other people they it's like stepping Slow stones numbers. yeah um so so you uh, you, you went on the uh you did that race you did that championship race you came fifth on it that obviously inspired you to go to, to keep going with that did you did you stick with the um with the same events or did you did you start specializing in in events at the time i did as many events as i could do um like cross country um i mean it's, it, around this time i got my first welsh fest for cross country uh, that was about 1991, so that was my first Welsh for yeah. uh, Welsh festival cross country. They they used to have a fixture. Uh, it was run in the uh, army base below the old Seven Bridge, and it was Wales against the army. Right. That was a fantastic event. Uh, and then a week later, then I ran um, for the first time indoors for Wales in uh, what was called the Omron Games at RAF Cosford, which. That was a, an incredible experience yeah. again against athletes who were at a different level from me and i just 
threw myself into it and just gave it my best and um, and got the Cosford cough which uh, is very interesting what they got the um, track before they built the one in the Birmingham indoor arena uh, they had a track at Cos RAF Cosford um, and it was in an aircraft hangar and uh, to keep the spectators warm they had these massive um, uh, hot air um, I think it must have been fans that threw hot air mm. onto the arena of course forget the athletes <laughs> so if you ran a race in Cosford the air was so dry when you finished your race you couldn't talk your mouth was dry and then for the next week you had what was called the Cosford cough <laughs> which was just a dry cough yeah. um yeah so that that was um a great experience and the other thing about running indoors as well is um similar to a, an indoor cycling it's banked not as severe as uh the indoor cycling tracks but basically you've got to run with uh, one leg shorter than the other especially <laughs> around the banks so in saying about how I uh, was able to improve uh, the following year then I went to the Welsh Championships again on the track and uh, managed to get a silver medal oh, wow. um, in the steeplechase again when was uh, that then what, what, what sort of year was that that was 1992 that was yeah and um, and then the following year went to Crystal Palace and had a go with the UK Championships which um, uh, was the basically the best steeplechasers chasers in the country wow. and that year ended up uh, ranked sixth wow. uh, in wales for the uh, for the steeplechase but you went um that's incredible that but you, but you went to portugal in 1992 i believe that's it i did indeed was that uh, the welsh team was that's it, it yeah the uh, my coach at the time was the uh, one of the staff coaches so he arranged um a warm weather training camp so uh that we were running a you know, hundred mile sort of training weeks uh in uh in beautiful conditions there's a lovely place uh aldeas des acoteas in portugal and uh, it was hard training hard training and i one of my memorable memorable experiences is having a drink relaxing in the bar uh one of the evenings and it was just at the lead up to the Barcelona Olympics, 1992. And uh, half the Great Britain track and field team was stood, was stood in the bar. And looking around, it was Lympha Christie, John Regis, Steve Backley, the javelin thrower. And I thought, goodness me, this is the life. This is the life. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it was still amateur. I wasn't getting there was no payment or anything you were doing mm. it for the love um and there was definitely a serious side of things um when you did competition um i couldn't say when you did when you were lined up with uh eight other athletes on a track ready for the steeplechase um it was serious um there were down moments i can remember going up to london uh, another cup semi-final for Cardiff and um, just after the race everybody ran it was a race basically for the first barrier to get over it first 
and um, the guy next to me gave me an elbow in the ribs and the next thing I know I was lying on the track with my leg in pieces and a stretcher coming out it's taken to hospital I'd smashed my knee up and you sometimes think goodness me this is a bit too serious for doing stuff that's supposed to be fun so I think I've stayed in the support in the sport for so many years because I've not always taken things seriously. Uh, there are races that I've done, which uh, are fun races. Uh, there's um, a race in Pembrokeshire called the Becca <laughs> race, which uh, commemorates the Rebecca riots when uh, men dressed up in uh, women's Welsh costume and used to um, destroy turnpikes. Uh, which were the um, where they paid their tolls to travel, and um, the uh, the race remembers the the men dressed up as women and destroying these turnpikes. So it was a fell race, bank holiday. Went with a bunch of friends, had a go at the uh, race, and coming towards the finish, I suddenly realised I was only eighteen. I was winning. I thought. Wow, look behind me, nobody in sight. I thought, wow, this is great. Coming up to the finish, the last, I don't know, 400 meters, you actually run in a stream. And as I approached the stream, getting ready to get wet, this guy just put his hands in my face and said, stop. And I thought, hang on a minute. I'm not stopping here. I'm winning this race. And he put a skirt on me. And put a little bonnet on me and put a hat on me. I was being dressed up as a, a Welsh woman in a Welsh costume. I thought, what's this about? I knew nothing about this. So carried on running through the stream, dressed as a woman. And then as I came to the finish line, I was handed an axe. I thought, what's this? And in front of me was this pristine uh, wooden gate. And I looked at it, I thought, what do I do here? So, because the gate looked so you know, well made, someone had gone to a great deal of uh, work to to make this gate, and I just tapped the gate, and of course everybody was laughing. Didn't realise I was supposed to smash this gate <laughs> to pieces. So uh, that was my one of my experiences of you know a more of a fun race. Um, another story is um, I went up to, uh, this is many years later, about year 2000, I went up to um, the, uh, what was on holiday in, uh, on the Isle of Skye, and uh, Scottish, there was the Scottish Highland Games in Portree, and just happened to be there on my holiday, and uh, if you've ever been to Portree, they've got this natural, like, amphitheatre, um, that sort of juts out into the sea, a perfect place to uh, hold uh, an event. And uh, it's a professional event. Um, there are people who I was talking to the other athletes and they were saying that uh, they gave up their um, jobs in the summer because they could earn more money taking part in the Scottish Highland Games. You know, races like uh, Tossing the Caber, uh, other strength events, 100 metres, 200 metres. And these guys were earning 
good money for winning these races. So I thought, oh, come on, I've got to have a go at this. And I saw there was a fell race. I thought, well, that's a good end to the day. But before I get on to that, um, I'll have a go with the 100 meters. Now, I'm definitely not a sprinter. My 100 meter speed is the same at the end of a six mile cross country as it is from just 100 meters on its own. So I thought, Geran, you, you, you just got to have a laugh here. So I was lined up for the 100 meters and the 100 meters was one circle. So you were effectively running around in a circle. And I said, come on, Ger, come on. Just don't come last. Don't make an idiot of yourself. Don't make a fool of yourself. Just have fun. So did the 100 meters and I think four got into the, there were two heats, four from each got into the final and uh, gun went. Uh, first guy next to me tripped and fell at the start. So I thought, great, I'm not last. Uh, going around the circle, realized another guy had fallen, another guy had fallen, ended up being fourth. So I was in the final, couldn't believe it. I was against these professional guys who were, they were built like Linford Christie and there was me, scrawny Geran, in the final of 100 meters. So did the 100 meter final. Again, a couple of guys fell. I didn't come last. Did the same for the 200 meters. Same thing happened, ended up in the final again. Brilliant experience, didn't come last. Fell race and I thought, hmm, okay. What's this all about? So had a word with the organizer. I said, look, uh, what's the best thing? What's your advice? And he said, follow the locals. I thought, well, uh, you know, I would always do that. You know, I'd follow the guys who were leading. So they closed all the roads. The police were out there. I thought, gosh, this is serious. And basically you could see a flag probably two miles as the crow flies away and aim was get up to that flag at the top of the mountain and get back as quick as you can so i thought excellent gun went we ran out to the uh, stadium i could see the road ahead of me with the police uh, had shut all the roads and keeping uh, crowds to the side because there were thousands of people there suddenly three guys snuck off to the left i thought what's this so i followed these three guys they ran through a graveyard i thought what's this jumped over a wall jumped onto the beach. We were on the beach. There were four of us running along this beach by the side of the loch. And I could only see water ahead of me. Nothing else. There was no path. These three guys just jumped into the water, swam across. You had these little fingers of uh, streams, rivers that came into the loch. So they were swimming across to the other side. It was about 30, 40 meters. Swam across, out onto the beach, running on this beach now again. And I looked ahead, I thought, oh no, it's another swim. I could see there was another river. Sw jumped in the water, swam across. I thought, this is crazy. My new running shoes, <laughs> they're, they're ruined. Running along this golden sands, they were beautiful. If you've ever been to Portree, the, the uh, sands there are beautiful. Running along the beach again, and I could, couldn't see where we had to go next. Suddenly, the guys ran into someone's back garden along a path next to the house into their front garden i thought this is crazy hope they got permission here <laughs> onto the road we crossed the road and then right ahead of me i could see the fell the open fell in front of me so i thought right i can see the flag i've got nothing to lose here so i just thought right i'm going for this so ran ran 
climbed up top of the uh, mountain and there was a marshal there basically handed you a like a, a bingo ticket just to show that you'd been up there so obviously I was up there first and got the number one and he just said make sure you have that at the finish fine then it was I looked over and I could see the stadium two miles away I thought right route one back started running and anybody who's done fell running or fell racing it is uh, going downhill you're out of control I thought well I'm winning this race I've got to really go for it now so ran I was out of control but I thought no I'm okay going down the hill I noticed in front of me on the floor there was kind of a metal fence and I was really still wet from swimming touched the metal fence and I felt an electric surge <laughs> go right through me and of course because I was wet this must have been an electric fence that had been flattened the electricity caused me to lose my legs and I basically hit the deck so I was now bouncing down this hill and this part of the next story you pr you won't believe but I hit a pig <laughs> this enormous pig that was supposed to be uh, cordoned in in this fence I'll tell you one thing if you ever hit a pig and this was a massive he's at least six foot I hit a pig and he was not happy I was being chased by a very angry pig so my pace I wish they had Strava back then because my, that would have been uh, that would have been a personal best for me this is all true this story not exaggerated got away from this pig crossed the road back through this person's front garden back garden out onto the beach running on the beach I thought oh here we go again dived in swam across the river onto the beach again swam across the next part of the river and then suddenly I came to a stop there was this like 10 foot wall I thought where am I I could hear the stadium I could hear people shouting and screaming because there was still events going along I thought I started a panic I didn't know how to get back into the stadium so I had to climb this wall <laughs> and it was a graveyard into the graveyard out of the graveyard and then into the stadium you wouldn't believe there were about <laughs> 2,000 people in the in the uh, in the area at the finish area and there were screams shouts and everything of course the announcer said all the way from Cardiff Garan Hughes winner of the Talisker Cup finished the race beautiful trophy and a bottle of 10-year malt no Talisker way. I won and quite a bit of money as well so that <laughs> That <laughs> often people can say that they've uh, fought with a pig on a fell race. Oh, indeed. <laughs> From those days then, really, as as you move forward, did you specialise or did you did did you were you still doing lots of different events over the I, years? I think um, when I did track, steeplechase was my event um, and brilliant experiences, uh, but I. I find that um, to stay in the support in sport uh, for for a long time, I think you, it's good to sort of change your focus. Um, so other events I've done, um, I think 1999 was my first ever triathlon. I had a butcher's bike. 
Um, what made you go into triathlon? Did you just want to try it? Did you? Um, I think I'd been running now, uh, oh, goodness me, 99, uh, 15 years. And I, that's the minus with just running. You pick up niggles. And advice from friends of mine that swimming was a good alternative to running or something that you could complement could complement your running and cycling as well multi-support multi-sport mm. and uh, that's why I went into triathlon to basically prolong uh, what I did in sports so um, so I had a period of doing a triathlon started in 99 as I said and culminated in doing I did Ironman Switzerland in 2004 and I'm definitely uh not a distance person although i did distance races i definitely don't come into my uh, best doing distance races as far as ironman switzerland was concerned it was an exercise in having three square square meals a day um angie uh, thought that it would be a good idea to cook some pasta um they had a feed station there were three laps on the bike and uh, you could drop your food um, at the at where you you sort of started the new lap, and Angie cooked some just as I call it boring pasta. <laughs> so, so each lap I would just shovel down uh, a load of pasta, um, cooked pasta, but plain pasta, and and that's what got me through Ironman. Uh, the fact that I just made sure that I ate. Uh, some people are just naturals at long distance events. People like um, Neil Vickers Harris, you can do all these uh, endurance events and they c uh, come into their own. I've got a friend of mine in Cardiff who I can remember there was a bunch of us and we were all running around uh, just over 30, 31 minutes for 10K and he just couldn't break 36 minutes for 10K and he'd say, I, I can't understand, I can't go any faster. And yet this chap, Andy, Andy Cleaves, he began doing marathons and he realised that he was only getting going as the finish of a marathon. Hmm. So he then started training for ultras and he ended up doing 100 miles, 100k races. He ran for Wales at 100k. So we're, it's horses for courses. There are some people who find distance events much easier mm -hmm. there are people like myself I, I I'm at my best I basically can bury myself for about nine minutes that was the steeplechase for me and I realized that uh, any event over an hour for me and I get slower and slower so um, I found that uh, doing other events as well kept me in the sport other events I did I did the Carrymore uh, which was the um, um, two-day event where you take your tent with you and your cooking stuff and oh. a friend of mine who was a, um, a, tr a training partner in my uh, Cardiff days decided come on let's have a go with the Kim and uh, it's basically learning to run and map read uh, take your uh, cooking stuff with you and everything and that gives a different angle on the running because you're now navigating, so you're reading a map, you're using a compass. Brilliant experience. Uh, that we got horribly lost in the first two hours, <laughs> and then we ended up over the weekend finishing sixth, 
which was brilliant. A story about Angie and myself. Um, Angie and I did the carry more together. Oh, husband and wife doing a carry more together. Map reading together. Oh, I can imagine. It, it, but you know what? What a brilliant experience because at the time I'd moved up to North Wales and Angie was still living in Cardiff. So uh, the Carrymore was in Brecon, Brecon Beacons. So I traveled down from North Wales and uh, from Cardiff. And it's, it's funny with these events, you, you cut down your weight so much. So you, for example, you will cut a toothbrush in half to save the weight. Yeah. However, there's still a bottle of wine <laughs> thrown into the rucksack so you can enjoy that bottle of wine on our Carrymore was fantastic because they give you start times which are not always um, uh, to do with your ability. And there were friends of mine who were sort of my level of running had started two hours before uh, myself and Angie on the morning. And Angie and myself were given a very late start. And I thought, you know what? We're going to struggle here. And if you don't get into camp by about eight o'clock in the evening, you're dis disqualified. And straight away, I knew, I said to Ange, look, Ange, I think this is going to be an adventure. You and I are not going to make camp, I don't think, because this is a lot, a short day for us. Happened, we didn't make camp. So Angie and myself ended up having a romantic evening together in the middle of nowhere <laughs> in the Brecon Beacons. We just pitched my tent opened the bottle of wine and just shared a husband and wife <laughs> evening. Our friends of ours who were in camp, they were very concerned. Angie and Garan, they're not here. They're lost. They really, they were really worried for us. But no, a lot of fun, actually, it was. And I think it's good to do different events rather than the same old, same old. Um, other events I've done, um, uh, 2008, I had a go at, um, got into the GB team for uh, Masters out in uh, Ljubljana in Slovenia mm. and did the uh, European uh, steeplechase championships. Um, I was 40, 42 at the time and finished seventh in, in that race. Nice. But what, what an incredible experience. Um, at 9 a.m., the uh, temperatures were 90 degrees. Oh. And I can remember sort of thinking, warm up. Uh, how do you warm up when you're already sweltering in those conditions? And I can remember finding a hedge which cast a shadow on this lane and doing my warm up back and forth uh, uh. in the shade just to keep myself from, from roasting. So yeah, it's very important to, to, to switch your focus and I still do that now I'll do cross-country in the winter uh, obviously with family um, that is thrown into the equation so not able to do uh, travel as much for races but cross-country in winter and uh, shorter and faster stuff in the summer st still keeps um, uh, my hunger and I think that's very important yeah 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 that's good that's good that's good um I'm going to stop you telling stories for a moment because time's moving on and we could talk all day. But the, the, obviously we do have a segment in the Godcast that, um, that's based on the, our esteemed chairman, of course. Indeed, yeah. And, um, and his ridiculous clock. 
that uh, oh it's we, ridiculous, we, we, ridiculous is it does, does, although does... although i'll be honest with you it's correct at the moment rocky's clock it, it is right at the moment because the, the clocks have gone forward so at the moment they're on time for everything fantastic um, but a uh, few moments time when the clocks go back they'll, they'll be they'll be all out again so so rocky's clock are uh our, our monthly segment with our guests which comprised of a number of questions against the clock and the quick fire questions and we can always talk about some of the answers afterwards obviously but so we don't have to go into depth on them but they're, they're uh, quick fire just to make you think about a few little things um and uh, and they're not all about sensible things i'll be honest with you oh great uh, but yeah yeah <laughs> but it, it makes you think so um so we'll talk again after rocky's clock but uh, let's have let's have the rocky's clock segments rocky's clock Rocky's clock. Can you beat Rocky's clock? The favourite event you've ever completed. Oh, Cozumel World Triathlon Champs. The most famous person you've ever met. Limpa Christie, probably. What is the optimum length of shorts? Very short. Good answer. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you were a spy, what would you be called? G unit, as I'm called. <laughs> Great answer. What scares you? Being interviewed by John Farrell. <laughs> what bike do you ride? What bikes? What oh, bikes? Um, I've got a giant propel. If you could be any animal, what would it be? Cat. Oh, that was, that was quick. Your favourite film? A Year of Living Dangerously. Describe yourself in three words. Motivator, gregarious, uh, happy. What running shoes do you use? Brooks. Bike, run, or swim? Bike. Rocky's clock, Rocky's clock, you didn't beat Rocky's clock. Just missed out then. You were so close then. So close to beating Rocky's clock. Some good answers. That's all right. Some good answers there. Let's go back. Um, the um, Your favourite event? Uh, for, oh, Cozumel, yes. Oh, Cozumel, yeah. When was that? That was the um, first time. Uh, first time I got selected for GB um, Sprint Triathlon, two thousand and sixteen. It was in Cozumel, Mexico. Uh, Angie calls wow. it our second honeymoon. <sighs> um, it was amazing. We stayed at the uh, Great Britain Team Hotel. Wow. The atmosphere was just buzzing. Our room was incredible. Um, there was a, a, um, a hot tub in our room, in room. Uh, which and the views out, it was a sea view and the hotel, you, you went down steps at the, at the, where the, where the pools were into, um, 80 degree, um, or 28 degree water, mm-hmm. uh, for a swim and you had an area you could swim. It was it was just amazing yeah. um and there they did happen to be an event that I had to do <laughs> but Damn. i was enjoying myself too much the, the funny thing was we arrived um and there was no recovery time um i we arrived and i um late on a tuesday and the event was first thing a ridiculous time uh, on the thursday morning so we had one day to and it wasn't acclimatized but then afterwards we had over a week and it was a re- it was a real holiday uh, cozumel mexico absolutely beautiful mm. but 
the sad thing was, you know, we were, um, you know, it was a luxurious hotel, but literally just outside you saw the poverty and it made you really sit up and think, yeah. goodness me, there are people here who are in dire poverty, yeah. uh, but a very beautiful beautiful country yeah it is a beautiful country yeah. we, we, we went there last year we're going, i remember this year yes and, uh, we're going back again this year it's, i'm uh, not surprised it's, it's, it's uh, uh, gorgeous uh, it is beautiful and lovely people as well um you, through your career you, you you talked about on steeplechase once uh, smashing your leg in have you had any other bad injuries that's put pain <sighs> to it? the irony of things like that they come in twos or threes <laughs> um i think my comeback race after what what had basically happened i'd hit my knee on the barrier these barriers don't move and i had a heme what they call a hematoma my my knee just ballooned up went to kingston upon thames hospital and discharged immediately immediately after being treated but you know i limped for a week and then the hardest thing to do is basically get back on the bike got back on the bike did another steeplechase and the same thing happened again i hit that was my fault i hit a barrier and but it was towards the end of the race and i thought no way i am not um i, I was i I'm, I'm i got up and finished the race but then again the knee went up um for, this reminds me of a a story that um Ange and i we we uh, had a long period before we had kids we used to do a lot of fell running it was actually the time we'd moved up to north wales and we used to pack a small rucksack and uh, we'd maybe take a bus as far as away from where we'd parked the car in snowdonia and we basically spent the whole day running back over any mountain whatever back to the car yeah and um we used to do um, a race called Moyle Union, which at the time was a trial for the Welsh team to go out to uh, Nokdu. Uh, Nokdu is a mountain uh, in um, near Belfast, and they held an international there every year. So the trial was um, Moyle Union, four miler, perfect for me for distance. Um, and uh, running the, the trial, coming to the finish, uh, I was in. I was. He, it was a master's trial to get into the master's team, but I happened to be in the front group. And I thought, this is fantastic. I'm 40 and these are youngsters and I'm up with them. Loss of concentration, again, going downhill to the, to the finish. Um, lost my footing, went flying, hit the ground, hit some rock. Uh, instinct and adrenaline just got me up got on my feet, ran down, finished the race, very steep drop down to the finish, finished the race. And I looked at my, um, well, I didn't look at my knee. Someone said, Geran, have a look at your knee. And um, my knee was cut, but it you could see bone. <laughs> and someone said to me, Geran, you need to go to hospital. And I thought, no, 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 no. Um, um, I want to see the, I think Wales are playing Italy in the rugby. <laughs> I thought, no, no, I'm, I'm going to the pub now where we had the prize giving. Um, I'd got into the Welsh team and that was, um, that was my focus. So at the pub, I had a coffee and a um, sort of a roll and whatever. And uh, one of my other friends said, Geran, 
you need to go to hospital to see that knee. I thought, no, 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 no. It did look bad. So Angie dropped me off. No, she actually took me to hospital, Glancloyd, and uh, they put me on a trolley. And uh, suddenly, from nowhere, three very um, guys with uh, suits and very nice, uh, very nice t suits, whatever, came up to me and said, um, how did you do this? And I said, oh, I did a fell race and uh, <laughs> I fell. <laughs> and they said, um, sir, you've got uh, bits of slate in your bone. If we don't operate now, well, they didn't finish the sentence. But yeah, I, I'll leave that um, to people's imagination. When did you eat last? And I said, oh, I, I've just had a, a coffee and a roll. So they thought, right, okay, we're going to delay the ops. Basically, you need to have this operated on, but this could go seriously wrong. So Angie burst out crying because we were getting married in a month's time. <laughs> I'd fractured my knee and uh, they, uh, Angie just went home. I said, Angie, go home. She was really upset. And um, she said, I'll be back, I'll be back later. And uh, cut a long story short, 1 a.m. they did, um, what did they give me? Is it an epidural? So I was awake and basically the uh, surgeon had to uh, take all the slate out of my bone. And uh, following morning, the, uh, the surgeon came to me and said, right, you've got to keep this leg moving. You've had a good break. It doesn't need a plaster or anything. And the first thought came to my mind was Ron Hill, that runner who had, uh, who didn't stop running for how many consecutive days for years. And I, and, um, I can remember a story in his book saying that he was in hospital and he went for a run on the crutches. And that's what I did in my hospital bed, had crutches, and I didn't actually go for a run. I went for a walk. <laughs> and again, my determination, I was determined. I, I had six weeks to get running to get, because I, I was going to knock to. The team manager said, you are running for Wales. You got into the team. I'm not selecting anybody else. So you either do it or you drop out. I'm happy with you doing it. So, and of course we were getting married and you myself. So my determination was to walk down the aisle without crutches. So, um, <laughs> oh, <there it> is. <laughs> yeah, most people would say to do a race, but to walk down the aisle. Indeed, indeed, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think Angie's ever forgiven me for, uh, for putting her through that stress <laughs> before we got married. Well, Angie's quite an athlete in herself, uh, but but I, su I suppose the support, and that's lucky because the support she gives you or has given you throughout throughout your relationship, I suppose it's uh, it's one of the things that you really need if you're gonna if you're gonna do a lot of uh, yeah, running. And it's that. reciprocal, to be honest. The support for Angie um, from my side and her support of me. It's interesting. Um, sort of our one of our happy memories is um, when I was in Cardiff. Um, I ran for Le Croupier Running Club, which uh, those of you know Cardiff Le Croupier is actually a, um, a casino, a gambling club. And um, the founder mem one of the founder members of Le Croupier Running Club uh, is, was the owner of the casino and he put in a lot of money into the club. And 
what a fantastic club uh, they meet every thursday along other as well as other days but officially on a thursday they uh, meet at landeth rugby club and there's a bar there and they call it the golden dap and the unofficial motto of le croupier is it's a drinking club with a running problem but <laughs> on a thursday you'll get about i don't know 50 runners going out onto the Taft Trail, uh, which is a beautiful run um, up to Castelcoch and around the area. And then in the, afterwards, people go to the bar, there's food served, and you can get about 100 people in uh, on a Thursday night. Fantastic atmosphere, catching up with everybody. And you've got all ages from students right through to folks in their, uh, in their 80s uh, who still go for the social a wonderful club le croupier running club we've got many friends there and i was making some announcements uh one evening uh actually about triathlon and uh i noticed this uh, very pretty young lady stood there and i thought oh goodness me uh i'd have no chance here sort of <laughs> you know i'm the bottom drawer and she was in the top drawer and incredibly this gorgeous lady came up to me and said because um, i'd been talking about um going for bike rides and whatever and she came up to me and uh, she denies this angie she will deny this it was she <laughs> who actually asked me out on a date and she said oh do you know many bike rides around i said oh i've got i know so many bike rides around south wales and she said would you be able to take me on a bike ride <laughs> angie denies this one and then very funny I didn't see her then for, for me, was months, months. And I convinced myself that I had dreamt this, that, <laughs> that this person called Angela from Canada never existed. And I, I was sure, I thought, you know what, Gare? This never happened. <laughs> and then out of the blue, she was there. And she came up to me and said, I'm really sorry, she said. I've had other things on and I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when are we going on this bike ride? I thought, what? She's actually asked me for it. So she asked, this is official. She asked me out on a date. So our first date was a bike ride. Uh, and the funny thing was Angie had just done it. She had, on the morning, uh, she, she, she asked me to come to her house on the bike and she had run a 10K uh, race that morning and we were going to go out for a bike ride and I was training for an Ironman at the time. So I'd gone out for a, I don't know, about three, four hour bike ride with a friend of mine, the chap I did the carimor with, Simon, and turned up at Angie's house with no legs. I was in bits. And Angie said, oh, come in. Do you want a cup of tea? And I said, no, no, no. If I stop now, I'm no way getting going again. We have to go now. <laughs> so... We went for this bike ride and uh, um, we were passing my house and I thought, oh, do me, I could uh, sort of, uh, how, do, how do I sort of move this on a bit? And I said, um, I've got a chicken uh, in the <laughs> oven here. Do you want to sort of call by for a bite to eat? And she said, I'll come in now, she said. So that was it from there onwards. <laughs> she was, was keen, wasn't she? Oh, well, we were both keen. We were both keen and... I think um, going back to your question earlier on about sort of supporting each other, I think it helps when you have both in the household, both um, sort of husband and wife mm. or partners 
doing the support yeah. Yeah. Um, together because you can understand uh, the the highs and the lows, the sort of, oh, I, I'm going training now and oh, so if you've got kids and family and whatever, it is all, all about sort of, um, sort of balancing everything. It's a juggling act. It, it is. is. It is. Do, you, do, you, do you both get nervous or do you get nervous? We, we've, we've spoken about this on, on uh, I think it was Michelle's uh, 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 podcast uh, about the nerve factors and, and how we deal with it as a as a couple because you know we, we've learned now that you know we do certain things and we ignore each other sometimes and we, we know what they're going to do do you and Angie get get nervous and how do you deal with that and well what, what's the difference between your, your nerves N nerves uh, are brilliant they are the the the, the reason that you put in a good performance. It's good. If you're not nervous, if you're too relaxed, uh, from my experience, you're not going to do well. A good friend of mine with Abigail Harriers, Sean McCormack, has always said, if Geran is, if you're chatting, Geran, before a race, um, you're not going to put in your best performance. If I am, uh, you could say, ignorant, um, possibly rude. In other words, I'll not either not. I realise it. I'm in a world of my own. If I'm appearing to blank people, I'm focused, and um, uh, that's important for me if I want to put in a good performance. Nerves. Um, the more nervous I get, the better I'll perform. But how I deal with it, um, and that advice I give. To people is I don't with the week leading up if you're doing an important event um, and the bigger the event the longer the nerves um, will, will the, the long the earlier the nerves will start it could be nearly a week before if you're competing on Saturday the Saturday before you will start because you know oh it's a Saturday it's a week before you mm. will feel uh, the collie wobbles and whatever and how I deal with it and how I share with people is I don't acknowledge it for I literally I will not acknowledge that I'm doing a big event right. even when I'm on the start line I can remember doing I can remember being in Crystal Palace against the best steeplechasers in the UK thinking my goodness I've got to really pull one out of the bag here just to stay with these guys the lead up to the race and actually with my foot on the start line I did not acknowledge I I was what I was doing because of the for me personally the enormity of the thing I'm not trying to say play it down so if you're doing a massive Ironman race by say no 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 I'm not doing an Ironman race I don't actually think about it that's what I mean by right. by acknowledging it only until that gun goes and then my uh, focus on the race is is nothing else exists that's how I deal with things and I share that with Angie Angie realizes we're all different so we mm. deal with it in a different way but nerves is, is brilliant it's actually harnessing the nerves yeah and using it to your advantage rather yeah. than your disadvantage but and I have had experiences where the nerves have got the better of me because I have acknowledged too much of what the race is about right. and it's actually it's a fine line between the both and and I think knowing the difference of how to help you with your nerves 
and how the nerves can affect you. Yeah. It, it is yeah. a, that's why they say sport is um, 20% physical and 80% mental. It's 80% in your head. It's believing in yourself. It really is. Mm. Well, our staying chairman uh, asked a couple of questions that he asked. Oh, me to, goodness me. I, I'm refu- no, I refuse to answer these <laughs> questions before I hear them, John. <laughs> Actually, I'll get a. We mentioned it in in Rocky's clock. Actually, he says um, one of his questions is: When it comes to running shorts, can they ever be too short? It's interesting. Um, <laughs> when we were on lockdown, um, I think there was um, one of the things. Well, post uh, your favourite photos, and I put some of my steeplechasing days, not thinking anything of it. And most people's comments were, were <laughs> that your shorts are a disgrace. <laughs> and they were kind of normal then. Okay, they, they do make them longer now. But as a good friend of mine from Le Croupier Running Club, uh, Mick McGeoch always says, you know, that it, if you want to run fast or if you want to do anything fast, why have baggy clothing? I don't understand. Um people run in these long shorts to their knees and they want to run fast cycling they've got that right with the you know the lycra hugging i'm not too sure about lycra hugging shorts for running <laughs> but yeah it's minimal i will turn up to a park run in a vest and shorts or any race that i want to do well in in vest and shorts because i know even if it's freezing cold within one minute you are roasting, so why put heavy clothes on? That's my answer. <laughs> now, uh, one of his other questions is this. Having ran cross-country with Jay many times and watching him get into the zone. Oh, goodness. It says, pre-race, brackets, normally prostrate on some sports hall floor. Talk us through his pre-race routine and the importance oh, of it towards your performance. It's amazing how things have changed over the years. With family now, I just don't just don't have time to do what I used to do. When in my years traveling around uh, the UK with the uh, Cardiff British League team, my warm-up would last about three hours. Mm-hmm. I mean, three hours before a steeplechase race. You know, I, I would be uh, bricking myself, to be honest, because I knew... The standard was so high, even at amateur level, that I really needed to be focused. So I would listen to car music three hours before. I'd lay, I'd find a, uh, like Rocky says, I'm very observant, Rocky, on that one. <laughs> I find a cor- I used to find a corner in the middle of the stadium, quietly, and I'd listen to some calming music just to calm me down. Then I would start sort of warming up the body and about an hour before the race, so I'd be listening to some classical music or something. That's my musical genre, really. I go from uh, rock music through to Beethoven and Vaughan Williams, everything. And I've always used that to help with my warm up. So I'd be listening to calming music. I used to listen to a, a relaxation, calming sort of um, person talking to relax you actually as well. So I do that, then listen to sort of calming music. By the time I'd warmed up, because um, I normally do 10 minutes jog and then a five minute more intense strides or whatever, 
and of course the stretching. By the time I'm on the start line, having listened to ACDC, Back in Black, or something like that, I would be chomping at the bits. I'd be like um, a coiled up piece of elastic that bang, I, when the gun went, I'd be ready to race. I can't do that now with family. Okay. So my, my warm up basically is about an hour before, again, trying to uh, listen to something calm and then listen to something a bit more um, sort of rock music. I think uh, warm up and a warm down is essential. Uh, it's sort of one of the things that I sort of uh, give as advice. That's one of the reasons I've been doing this for so long is that I am a stickler for um, warm up and warm down. Most important, the warm down. To finish a race, I know there's rubbish inside my body, all the acid, lactic acid in the blood. Mm -hmm. If you leave that, that doesn't do you any good. So a warm down is uh, very important. But I'm yeah very impressed that Rocky has observed that I'll hide away somewhere in a corner <laughs> of a sports hall Yes, there's a method in this madness somewhere. <laughs> and you do yoga. You, you like a bit of yoga or did you do yoga? I ne do you know, I look back now. I've always been someone who stretched um, uh, over the years and warmed up and warmed down. Over the years, though, the stretching has become more dynamic um, before, uh, before doing any training. Uh, I can remember... When I started out, it was calves, quads, hamstrings, and that was about it, really. And then over the years, I've realized, you know, you need to do more than this. This good friend of me, mine, uh, Mick, McGeoch Le Croupier, um, and he's, he's infamous for um, being photographed when Greta Weitz, um, what's it, in, oh, is it Greta Weitz or, no, Ingrid Christensen broke the world record for the marathon at the London Marathon. His, he was, uh, was, well, was photographed with her, um, not pacing her, but she basically stuck to him mm. um, and broke the women's world record at the time. He was a man who used to run 100 mile weeks and he used to say to me, Geran, don't believe in stretching and all that rubbish. <laughs> he is now in his 60s and he, he recently saw him and he said, Ger, do you know what? I have dropped one of my running days because he was like me, six days a week running. Um, he now drops has dropped one day a week for yoga. And I wish, looking back, I had incorporated some yoga. The day that I do a hard session, I will always do, uh, I'll put some something on the TV, and both Angie and myself will just do some, you know, the thought of it is, oh, do I have to do this now? I'll do, I'll say, I'll do five minutes, but that five minutes, because you really get into it, suddenly becomes 10, 15, 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I will say, I am floating uh, to bed afterwards. So yeah, it's, uh, it is a, like a pain in the neck, you think, thinking about it. But when you do it, yeah, and it's definitely prolonged my time in sport by incorporating the the other things as I call them rather than just the activity strength and conditioning yoga they are essential you can't neglect it you can't because you won't last 
long in the support in sport and if you want to be doing the sport until you know whenever you really need to incorporate this what about nutrition how are you in nutrition do you do, are you as good as you you would want to be or is it uh, something that you've uh, you've struggled with like a like a lot of like a lot of people um a balanced diet but it's i wouldn't say i like my treats but i'm i've always been big about reward so if i do a race um i will have a bit of a you know a beer um uh, like i did last night after crystalton this morning now i've had a coffee and we've we've shared some donuts i know they're very I, nice as I, well. I do want to say that john farrell has had some donuts as chocolate well chocolate so ones you've had chocolate, chocolate ones, oh you yeah. didn't eat the other ones i haven't so. eaten the strawberry no. ones whatever yeah you are. haven't no, eaten no. the they no, are, no. i'll have those then. you don't get so, a body like this no. Karen, by eating four donuts <laughs> <laughs> but i will say you have to reward yourself that's me personally yeah um and i will i, I will say I got to know Colin Jackson from uh, being on the same team as him. And he would say that he would eat, he, he would eat some junk food. Yeah. And he said, my body is my, is a temple, but you can't go through life with, without having a reward. Yeah. And he said, yo, I'm not averse to having a, a McDonald's when I'm with the boys or something like that. And I've always remembered that thinking, yeah, okay, it's not having a curry every day. And I, I, yeah, going back to work hard and then reward yourself and whatever your reward is. Um, the other thing I remember, I remember, um, it's a Jack Buckner. He won the European 5,000 meters championships back in oh dear me, in the 90s and he he uh got up the following morning and he said um he was going to order some he was at the hotel team gb team hotel and he said he had his first fried breakfast for a year <laughs> and i can remember thinking okay i can't do that <laughs> just for, for a whole is it worth the sacrifice of not being able to have your a year's full of fried breakfast uh, not having fried breakfast for a year when again unless you're top top draw elite elite and i knew i wasn't that um i knew my limitations in saying that the uh, couple of people who were involved with me when i started running they said that you're good enough to make the commonwealth games but whether i was I believe that I don't know but to those sacrifices for me it was too much right. so to answer your question about diet it's a balanced diet uh, we were talking earlier on you were saying that you were a, a not a vegetarian a flexitarian flexitarian I love that because I think it's good to have days where there's no meat um, uh, or fish but other days yeah have your chicken and whatever um but again i i don't think personally having a uh, uh, ordering a curry or a um a chinese meal you've got to you've got to have fun and um, i think your brain maybe not your body 
your brain thanks you for rewarding yourself with, yeah. a, with a, a curry or something for having done something really well. In saying that, before a race, though, uh, I think it's important to have your... I have written down my routine before a race. So if I've got a cross-country, um, I look in my diary, my training diary, and I know, right, the cross-country is at three o'clock. Okay, I can have this for breakfast at this time. I mean, that be, I know that's specific, but I know it works every time. And I know I can have a honey sandwich two hours before my race and I know that I'm on the start line and I'm not too full or I'm not out of energy so you have to find something that which works for you on the day and this is another story I remember um, running for Cardiff in the national 12 stage relays uh, where basically 12 athletes in a relay um, in Sutton Park Birmingham and Cardiff were keen on winning it. And um, I was one of the 12 selected and they paid for us to go and stay in the team hotel, in the, in the hotel, uh, one of the hotels. And of course, I was only, gosh, I wouldn't say a kid, probably 20, 21, can't remember now. And uh, the I saw, got, got uh, down from, um, uh, for the breakfast and I saw you can eat as much as you like for your breakfast. And I thought, well, I'm getting this free. <laughs> of course, I thought, wow, me and food. Wow. So I had a massive, massive breakfast. All the fried with bacon, egg, everything. You can imagine what kind of race I had that <laughs> afternoon. Again, a salutary lesson learned from <laughs> diet. You have to have um, something which works for you and definitely not fried food <laughs> and heavy meat this, I can remember f FA Cup final day when I was a kid and you'd watch the um, footballers eating steak for yeah, lunch yeah. at 12 and then going on and playing an FA yeah. Cup final at 3 o'clock that does not work mm -hmm. because meat takes a long time to get through the body so um, yeah so, but Look at your, oh, what works for yourself. That's what I would say about diet. It's good advice, that is really good advice. Um, we're we're going to, a couple of more questions because we're uh, we're pushing on with time and I know everybody will be loving this. Um, what What's the proudest moment of your life? Not, not in a private life, but in a sporting life because private life, we all got our, our specific special moments, the most proudest moments. But what's the most proudest moment in your sporting life? It's interesting that it, it, it wasn't crowds and um, I mean, they're, they're part of sort of maybe going to Australia with Angie possibly was um, when uh, uh, probably two answers for this. Um, one was when both Angie and myself uh, got into the uh, Great Britain uh, age group team. Uh, for the World Championship Triathlon in Australia on the Gold Coast. Um, and that was an amazing, uh, the whole thing, The again, a, w a wonderful holiday. Um, family in, uh, my dad in Cornwall looked after the girls, so we were able to go on, on our own. And I competed in the uh, race myself, um, which was uh, an experience because um, where the swim was, there were sharks, and um, 
Angie, when we used to switch, when we, when we met, I would always, um, a few people I've told this, but when we went, Angie just didn't do open water swim swimming and she would always say Geran can you swim shark side <laughs> so shark side was basically wherever yeah, the so. more open water was that's where I was so the shark <laughs> would get me first and going to Australia um, they had shark nets in the estuary where we swam and for Angie to go in and swim yeah. where there was potential sharks so the proudest moment was when I did my sprint and I, ma I finished mine before and, and I'd done quite well myself, um, exceeded my expectations. And then I finished and I was able to uh, see Angie just before she, so, so she supported me and I was able to support oh, her. Nice. And then we both had our photograph taken because it was a big thing with the British Triathlon. There was a husband and wife. There were two husband and wives who competed together. Oh, so nice. I think that's my prou proudest moment with angie mm -hmm. uh there's a photograph of us together um uh with the ba uh, background saying world triathlon championships gold coast australia but then a smaller less crowd uh was um went up to sheffield to do a steeplechase for cardiff in the british league and again sp uh, spent the weekend with um i think we had um was it jamie bolsh who was an Olympian um, sprinter on the bus. Colin Jackson was there as well. Nigel Walker, um, who's now the uh, performance director for the Welsh Rugby Union. He was a hurdler as well as Colin Jackson. And I had done my steeplechase and we, Cardiff needed the points and there was pressure to do well in your race. And um, uh, you had two runners per club. So I think they were how many clubs were there probably about eight clubs so there were 16 in this race did the first lap and i was last and uh, but i by then knew uh, that i run even pace people noticed that mom yo geran you started slow no i didn't i run the first part of the race as quick as the last part of the race or the same pace yeah and i had guys on the side screaming at me saying come on geran get yourself think go in what's going on and i thought no no i'm not what i'm i know what i'm doing and over seven and a half laps basically went from 16th and just narrowly missed winning the race and it was a personal best for me at the steeplechase um around close to nine minutes which i was absolutely delighted with i had everybody coming up to me pat on the back and i thought that was it and um, on the team bus back to the hotel, the team manager said, right, OK, we always do athlete of the match. And um, it was a nice moment in front of these Olympians. I was awarded athlete of the match yeah. and I had the likes of Colin Jackson, yeah. Nigel Walker, uh, Jamie Balsh coming up to me and saying, Geran, top form, mate, top form. And I thought, wow, you know, when you're accepted like that yeah. by guys who... I would aspire but never get to their level coming up to me saying well done Gare. um you really you know helped the team there i think on a different way that was another proudest nice, moment yeah. that's nice what advice would you give to the people that you i mean because you're coaching gogs um and 
you've been part of dogs for since inception was it or no, just, after, just, just after, after actually um it was very funny talking about that i remember um so i was sort of involved with the carnevi triathlon and mm. i remember um paul sanders selling his tri suit for carnevi and i thought oh they were saying you couldn't get hold of a carnevi tri suit and i remember going to his house picking this up and he said why are you selling oh i'm part of a new club gog i said really um what's this about oh it's uh rian and rocky have started this club i thought gosh i know rian because i'd known rian um uh, over the years and i'd known rocky from cross from cross country so i contacted rian and s said look re um do you know do you want any help with the running so it was only a few months later i came along and uh, I, I said look can i come on to one of the running sessions and uh, we did a hill session on the little lawn and Ree said to me yeah are you a coach I said yeah I've been a coach since 1986 I said do you want to coach the running oh yes <laughs> so that was the, so not right. at that first meeting but, but um, near enough a couple of months mm. later yes so you've always loved the coaching part of it and yeah and, 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 and I can see why um, so if you were to give advice to New not not just new athletes, but athletes who who wanted to progress. What would it be? What would what would what would that be advice be? Um, again, going back to something I was saying earlier on, um, be happy with yourself. Yeah, um, that's something I, I I can remember when I started running. I used to look at the qualifying times to get into uh, the Welsh Commonwealth Games team, which were were just as hard as getting into the Great Britain team for yeah. the Olympics and the World Championships. But um, I used to like look for the look at the stars uh, to aim at that, but still be happy with yourself. Is uh, comparing yourself with others? Uh, you know that. Uh, what does the Desiderata say? There's a little poem, is it that if you compare yourself with others you can either become vain because you think you're better than them or you become bitter because you don't achieve that yeah um and that's that's something i've learned over the years be happy with what you've got because you hear so many people saying oh no i'm not happy with this and i'm thinking my goodness that was a cracking run and uh, yesterday for me in crystalton was an example I ran slower than um, I have in the recent past, but and and I heard people saying, "Oh, I'm not happy with my time and whatever," and they were faster than me, and yet I was ecstatic. The reason I was ecstatic, ecstatic, because six weeks ago I really didn't think I'd I'd run ever run again. Mm -hmm. I was that poorly with a COVID that when I went for my first run, my legs couldn't keep me up. So I've really taken a few steps back and thought, you've got to be happy you're back running. So going back to what I'm saying, just be happy with where you are. Yeah, look at targets which are maybe beyond what you've got. What did they say that you should have three targets, something that's, whoa, the stars something that oh you could just about aspire to and a target that you know 
just turning up for a race or something like that so that'd be one thing and you find over time that you will stay in the support in the sport there's always going to be people better than you there's always people better than me uh, I don't want to say better but faster whatever or people s slower and it's not the measure of you as a person if you are faster than someone you're not a better person you just have to be on the day you're able to put one foot for running for example or for swimming for running you can put one foot in front of the other quicker than someone else or swimming you can put one arm in front of the other quicker uh, and that that's a big one to st and that's why i've stayed in the support in the sport over the years of so, so many years because um i've always learned to be happy with what i've got happy with your lot yeah so that's one bit of advice um going back to again something else i've said is about consistency if you do want to improve um it's unless you're ill or injured you need to get out and do something um quite a few days a week i always have one day a week off friday I call it my cake, coffee, and beer day. That's going back to diet. That's why I'm saying I fall short with diet. But again, that's my reward, yeah. Fridays, yeah? I'll always have that chimp on my shoulder, uh, the chimp saying, oh, I've got aching legs, I'm tired, it's raining, um, I don't want to go out tonight. But Angie and I, Angie will then turn to me and said, yeah, go out for five minutes. And if you don't like it, turn back. And you know what? You don't turn don't back, turn back. Yeah. it's the going out it's the thought and that's your chimp saying you can't do it and you've got to say to the chimp okay thank you chimp on my shoulder yeah i know what you're saying i acknowledge what you're saying that you're tired whatever but this is what i'm going to do and you've acknowledged your chimp by what he's saying and the chimp will then calm down and then you can go out and do what you want however you need to know when you shouldn't get out yeah um, and we've all done it when you really are exhausted and it's not just mental exhaustion whatever from work or demands other demands yeah or that niggle in your foot is more serious and that you shouldn't go out so the secret is to know the difference between when you are being talked out of going out for training with that chimp or when it's really serious that if you do go out and if you really are ill and I've made that mistake I've gone out and realized mm, I am ill here and I shouldn't have trained so those are one or two bits of advice and again going back to the warm up and warm down um, that's that's important um, to do the warm up and warm down the final one is is encouragement I've always been uh, big at encouraging people when I see um, someone uh, yesterday now there's a, a chap I've only got to know in the last six months doing cross country same age group as mine runs for Buckley uh, Eric Campbell and um, I can remember uh, running across country this season in Oswestry in awful conditions and I he came up to me I had some medals for him from a, a he'd been he'd got in a, a, another cross country at the intercount interregional in Brecon and I wanted to hand it to him and I'd finished about three minutes ahead of him and he was so complimentary to me and I hardly knew the guy 
and I've got to know him. And yesterday in uh, Crystalton, he absolutely smashed a time. He ran under 18 minutes, which was far quicker than me. Same age group as me. And I had beaten him by so much in the cross country. And I thought, you know what? I went up to him and I said, Eric, you're a superstar. Um, and and he said, oh, thanks for, for your positive positivity and all. And I think that's important rather than seeing it, ooh, this guy's beaten me and I should be beating him. Because you hear a lot of that, ooh, I normally beat so-and-so and I normally beat so-and-so by this much. And there's a lot of that in the sport. And I think you need to take a step back and think, okay, I know myself, I'm still getting over um, being off for three weeks with COVID, but I'm happy where I am. And in seeing Eric do so well, I thought, yeah. And he came up to me afterwards and said, oh, thanks, Geran, for your, for, you know, he was happy that he was a bit stunned with that. And I thought, well, <laughs> I remember what you said to me in Oswestry. And we had a laugh about that. So, and in encouraging someone, you never know that person has really struggled, not just with the sport, with something else. And in you just saying, oh, well done, you. Um, you never know what a little word of encouragement. Mm. Angie does the same. She's always, she'll see new runners when she does the Thursday coaching at Colwyn Bay. And she'll see someone who's maybe a bit quiet, a bit new to the setup and all that, maybe a bit overwhelmed. And she'll have a quiet word with them. And I think that's, that's important, very important. And it is, unfortunately, a, a, quite a selfish sport, running, triathlon. It's all about, it is all about me. That's great because you don't have to, you, if you do a good performance, you're not letting, or a bad performance, you're letting yourself down, yeah? Whereas in a football yeah. team, rugby team, hockey, whatever, if you have a bad performance, that can affect the team, yeah? yeah? But in the other way, the other side of the coin is being in uh, an individual sport, you could become totally uh, focused, too focused, too um, selfish, and it is. And it is a selfish going out for a run when we've got family here it is about a balance yeah and and it is about a balance balancing your training with other things yeah mm. and and uh, i think it's that's why i really started running as well nothing to do with uh, doing well or whatever in sport i find it's a brilliant balance with my studies i can remember studying for my a levels and I'd spent three hours trying to read my history. Nothing was going in, nothing. And I, I just couldn't learn anything. And I remember my mum turning to me and saying, get, go out for a run. I can remember going out for a run, came back, showered, had a bite to eat, went back to my history, whoa. Right. Suddenly I'd remembered everything that I'd learned that morning. Sport is a brilliant balance between your all your other demands in life and it's it's a leveler and uh, stick to that you won't go wrong very very good advice uh Geran, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you there you are a legend within gogs and outside gogs i and, don't know about that and uh, you do inspire an awful lot of people and that's through the, the things that you do um your uh you know the the, the way you talk to people uh the, the way you people think of you and and also with your coaching as well because a lot of people lo love your coaching them within gogs me included 
Um, Very humbling to hear that. Right. I don't be- I don't feel like that as far as uh, I'm a, more of a leg end rather than <laughs> legend. I'm just a, a normal person who just wants to share, you know, experiences so other people can improve on themselves. And again, going back to the aim for the stars. Yeah. Well, you know, pe- people will rip you apart, t- taking the mickey out of you. Excellent. I know, when they do that. Excellent. And, and, Come and on. The more they do it, the merrier that they do it to us. But uh, Bring it on. Bring it on. <laughs> but you're an absolute star. I know I'm not going to, I'm hardly going to touch this interview when I edit it because there's so much stuff in it that's, that's so funny and so poignant and, and so, so interesting. And I know people will love this interview. I know we'll get good feedback off it straight away. So thank you so much for giving up your time on a, on a weekend. Here we are. We talked about Cup Final Day. It's Cup Final Day today, actually. Indeed. So um, on, on this day to do this, taking some time out to, to sit down with us. Thank you so much for that. Uh, and I hope uh, everybody uh, enjoys it. Hope you get well, make a full recovery from COVID, because I know we've been talking about how how poorly you've been with it. So uh, fingers crossed you make a full recovery with that as well. Thank you, John. Thank you for and your time as well and the effort you put into this. I've realised today how much work you put in beforehand during it and now the work you're going to be doing after this interview. So thanks wow. ever so much to yourself as well. Appreciate it. And it's always worth it when you get interviews like this. Take care. We'll speak again soon. Thanks, Karen. Dioch. I told you that was good. You actually haven't stopped talking about it since you got home a few hours ago. I loved it. I loved the time I was there. It was, it was so, so good. Such an interesting guy. Thank you, Garan. That was, uh, that was fantastic. Um, right. What we got going on? Flannery's try. Yes, places are being booked. So if you are looking to enter that on the 3rd of July, then you need to enter as soon as you can just to make sure that you get one of the spaces i think is it 160 spaces available yeah so once they're booked that's it so uh, if you're thinking about it it's probably best now to actually get it booked just so you don't risk not getting a place um and if you're not doing it and you can marshal let let us know that you can marshal let um let steve or or, or uh, gaz or mention it on the page that you can marshal so uh, on the day as well because we're always looking for marshals on the day what else we got going on we've got transition training coming on yeah 24th of may um that's at marsh tracks it's three pounds uh some positive feedback from the last one um which took place so if you're looking just to get those extra skills ready for the you know an upcoming triathlon then i would say book on uh they are uh they are very i think it's going to be a, a popular sort of yeah, I think it's good, isn't it? Once a year, yeah. I think, if if nothing else, is to go through your transition. I think just learn a few new skills and practice a few skills before you do all your uh, all your triathlons this summer. But It'll be good that, fun. It'll that'll be, good be fun. on the um, Facebook page because this um, try this triathlon this podcast is being released on Friday the twentieth. Mm-hmm. So then that today trans- Friday the twentieth. <laughs> yes, <laughs> because that. that's when we're doing it today. Uh, yeah, okay. Twentieth already, yeah. And yeah. the transition um, training is on the twenty fourth, so you've got a few days. It'll be on the Facebook page, 
So you'll uh, be able to, uh, I think you can book on that way, can you? You accept the invite and then you can. Yeah, you can. Yeah. yeah. Um, that'll be sent out nearer the time. And what I'd ask you to do is, if you listen to the podcast and you haven't done already, is to to go onto our Facebook page and like our Facebook page because the more the merrier you get to know what's going on. Go into onto our Instagram uh, at the Godcast and follow us and Twitter and follow us, the Godcast again. Uh, all, all those things really are gone to our uh, website because the website's just been redone and um, so it's nice and new so you can hear all the episodes on there as well but obviously all the episodes are also available on Spotify and iTunes and what I would ask is if you listen to one go on to iTunes or Spotify and leave us a review please the more people that leave us reviews and we've got a few good ones on there the more people that leave us reviews and give us five stars if we're worth it, um, the better, because then it crops up when people search for triathlon things and uh, and the like. So so please 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 go on and uh, <laughs> uh, uh, and like us uh, uh, if you've in, enjoyed it. One very last thing we forgot to mention earlier, the London draw that we did. Oh goodness, yes, I forgot about that. We did it live. I do apologise for some of the technical issues we had with it because uh, unfortunately when you're dealing with Facebook. You um you are beholden to them really, so um we, we just you know when you've got our internet connection or somebody else's interconnection internet connection and also Facebook it sometimes it goes wrong but I think we all got the gist of it and the winner was Neil Vickers Harris. Neil Vickers Harris. I'm really thrilled for him to be fair because he he does an awful lot and he is our he he's our Welsh athletics um contact as well within the club so it is nice for him to have yeah he does a lot of work behind the scenes isn't he so uh, i think it's he, he deserves yeah. that no that's good so uh, well done neil and uh, look forward to seeing you uh, training for that and hopefully you'll come on and tell us all about your uh, your trip there so that's about it i think isn't it that's a it. long one today but that's due to the pod to the podcast and i think um or not the podcast it's the due interview. to you probably due to me talking and Geraint talking as well so um so i make no apologies for that but uh hopefully you will have enjoyed it and uh, look forward to the next one yep so we'll see you next month on 17th of june we look forward to it what are we going to do now <laughs> i'll be after we're going to go have a glass of wine aren't we yeah i think we so. Are, yeah there we go cheers shout bye 